he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you for taking time to join us as we take time to learn from God's Word together. The message you are about to hear comes from the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene in Cape Elizabeth, Maine. Listen to more sermons or learn more about the church at our website, capenazarene.org. It is amazing, of course, how sometimes the things we hear or the things we listen to affect who we are, but not just affect who we are or what we think, but also affects the next generation, affects our children. My parents, uh, when I was growing up, what they had on the radio all the time was not the music coming out at that time. It was the music of their youth. It was the music that they grew up with. And so that's the music I grew up with. I missed the 80s. And so uh, uh, I grew up with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Peter, Paul, and Mary, Aretha Franklin. I grew up with that. I know those songs. Jen, sometimes still surprised how much of the lyrics I still remember. Um, like like these, these songs I know. And, uh, but, and it has just kind of like... As the years have progressed, I've, I've been amazed just how much that has stayed with me. And sometimes I still like, hey, I've got to share this with Eric. And he's like, oh, really, Dad? Songs again from the 50s and 60s? Yes, yes. And so, uh, but like it, it has stayed with me. What we listen to, what we've heard, or, uh, stays with us. And indeed, shares and gets extended to the generations to come. The passage of Scripture, of scripture I'm going to share with you today uh, latches on to that idea and absolutely shares that with us today. Uh, What I'm about to uh, share with you comes right after Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5 is the story of the Ten Commandments. Moses, who we heard about last week, he has come down from speaking with God. He has Ten Commandments to share with the people. And uh, if, if you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy, I thought that was in Exodus. Yes, the Bible is repeating itself, telling the same story over again. So if you ever find yourself listening to a sermon and thinking, uh-oh, that pastor's used uh, that illustration before, I've heard that one, it's okay, it's biblical. And so you can repeat yourself a little bit. And so Deuteronomy chapter 5 repeats the story of the Ten Commandments and sharing uh, uh, the spreading of the Ten Commandments. And all of it is kind of contextualized in, do not forget... The God who has saved you from Egypt, saved you from slavery, the God who had promised a place for your descendants. And out of that thankfulness, out of that response of what God has done for us, here are the commandments. And he gives those Ten Commandments. And, uh, and those Ten Commandments, of course, are the same ones that are in Exodus. And then we get to chapter 6, which is what I want to read for you today. And... Um, uh, it is, this, this passage of Scripture is kind of like a summation of those Ten Commandments. And it is, uh, it is a way of saying those commandments that we have, it's all kind of wrapped up in what uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is kind of a bridge section. Here were these great Ten Commandments that we, of course, rightfully say, hey, these are important, these are right up there. But Deuteronomy chapter 6 kind of sums it all up, and then that summation is the grounds for, it is the impetus for all the laws that follow. So if ever at any point in their time in life or any time in reading this, we find ourselves reading those laws, that this is not just a matter of, okay, I just got to make sure I'm doing a whole lot of conforming today. 
It is, it is a way of saying all of this is an expression of the very heart of what the Ten Commandments are about. So without any further ado, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Says, um, he says uh, at the beginning of chapter 6 concerning those Ten Commandments, this is, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the ordinance that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you're about to cross into and occupy so that you and your children, your children's children, will fear the Lord all the days of your life and keep all His decrees and His commandments that I'm commanding you so that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, Israel, and observe them diligently so that it may go well with you and so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. And now where I really want to focus, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you are away, when you lie down, when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This passage of Scripture that begins here, O Israel, is a passage of Scripture that is one of the most popular passages of Scripture within the Jewish faith. It is one of the most well-known quoted. I, I think Deuteronomy 6.4 is the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. It is, it is like, in fact, this whole passage is called the Shema, which is the Hebrew word for hear or listen. The, 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 the beginning word of verse 4, hear or listen, O Israel, is, is the very beginning for this, is the description for this whole passage. The idea is that we are a people listening to and hearing who this God is. Now, not just like, okay, I heard, but I'm going to continue doing my own thing, but like, no, I hear what you're saying, I'm listening, and it causes me to respond. This is what he says, listen, O Israel, people of God, to the Lord. And, and who we are listening to, he, he tells us, is the Lord our God. With, with, with all the other Ten Commandments, those Ten Commandments are kind of displayed out. This is what you're supposed to do, this is what you're supposed to do. But in this one, as he gets ready to sum it all up, he says for us, this is who we are following. This is the ground of what these commandments are about. God is introduced at the center of our being, of who we are. This is the claim laid before us. Every commandment, every law is based on obedience and love toward the God who is our God. Our God, not just because we've laid some claim on Him or because, you know, He's someone we've created or defined. We call Him our God because He has made a claim on us. Because He has chosen us. Because He has said, my desire is to be with my creation. It's my desire to make sure they do not live in slavery. That they do not live uh, uh, succumbing to their sins. Our God has an interest in each and every one of us. And so our God is not because we have defined who He is, but because He is defining who we are. So every week in worship, we also together as, uh, in corporate prayer, we anticipate communion. We prepare our hearts for it by praying together, unified. And one of our first phrases is the phrase, Our Father. 
It's a way of putting ourselves in obedience and reverence before our God, of saying this is the one who we belong to. This is the one who we humbly kneel and humbly bow before. The Lord our God is one, Him alone. Now when we say that it is God alone, like we, we recognize that this means that there is, of course, only one God. Historically, this was significant, of course, for them when they were surrounded with faiths that had all kinds of other gods, or faiths that would often, when they would use a tool to help them worship, they would sometimes uh, uh, get confused and, and put the tool put the cart before the horse, put the tool before God, and start worshiping the tool, the, the, the image, whatever, uh, whatever they were doing. It would be like picking up anything here in worship and then all of a sudden like taking that home and that becoming the object of worship. And so without a doubt, this has historical significance to say, no, none of those things function or act as God. There is only one God, and it's the one who lays a claim on our life. That is to this one God that uh, we worship. And of course, this has modern significance as well. Anything that we might be tempted to declare allegiance to or fidelity to, to something that uh, uh, doesn't act or respond with the love of God, whenever we say, oh, but that's okay, uh, you know, I, I, I still care or, or believe in this or that, we're ultimately following something else that is playing God or situating our God in the activities of another entity we might otherwise agree with. Anytime we say, oh, well, we'll make an exception this time for whatever my favorite thing is. We'd say, uh, that's okay, we don't have to uh, follow God in this instance, or I'll let this person get a pass now. That's not faithfulness. It's idolatry. Our God is one, is a way of saying that our God and our God alone is to be worshipped and obeyed and honored and put before all else. Everything else in our world falls short. And so this, in many ways, is what it means by the phrase, the Lord is alone, in the version of the scripture that I read for you today. Sometimes they says the Lord is one. And, and I like that as well, the idea that the Lord is one. It means, of course, that there is one God, but I like to think of it also as uh, the Lord is one in purpose. He is faithful. He is consistent. He acts in complete harmony, to borrow terms that we might use, of mind and body and spirit. Everything that is God works for our redemption. Whereas the Bible puts it, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. To say the Lord is one is to say that the Lord of the Old Testament and the New Testament is the same God, and that God has always desired and called for faithfulness out of His people, as shown and described in Jesus, that He shows for us what faithfulness to God what might ultimately look like. And God's purpose has always been redemptive, has always been restorative, has always been about, I want to lead my people out of the crisis that they're in into a future and into a better uh, future. It, it is because of this God's persistent character that we're able then to lay down this commandment that comes next as the summation of the Ten Commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is what Jesus would say when they asked Him, hey, what's the greatest commandment? He would end up saying, it is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they would agree with Him. Like the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, you know those people that uh, in the Matthew passage, uh, Jesus just said you're going to be greater than them. They were always at, at odds. They were always buttonheads. But they actually agreed with him on this. 
Because they recognize that this passage of Scripture is indeed the summation of the Ten Commandments. It is the pillar with which the rest of the law follows. That everything is done in love and obedience to God. And there's a couple ways to, to look at this. One, of course, is what I've heard preach again and again as part of the early church. Is it means everything I am. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength is with my complete human body. Every will, every thought, all my might, almost everything is, God, here I am before you. Early Jewish readers also read it in another way. Not, not so internalistically where we say, okay, whoever I am, whatever I think, that's going before God. But they also saw in some outward ways as well. To say that we love him with all of our heart, early Jewish readers said, eh, this is loyalty to God and nothing else. To be committed and love Him with all of our life or with all of our soul is to say, I'm going to be committed and loyal even unto death. My life, my breath is given to God. And that to love Him with all of our might, the early Jewish uh, teachers of law would say, is a way of saying everything that is physical around me, anything that has physicality, anything that is, uh, is available to me, is available to God. And so that includes my goods, my wealth, my property. It includes everything that I might consider mine, even if it isn't on my person at this time. I love Him with all my might, with everything I have at my disposal. I, I kind of like them both. A way of saying everything I am, but it's not just internal, it's how I'm going to live my life too. Completely faithful to God with everything that I have, even unto death. And he says, these commandments in Deuteronomy 6 are to be upon your hearts. We are following after the spirit of the law, if it's written on our hearts, not just the letter of the law. If you've run into that person who's deceitful without lying, <laughs> right? they might be following the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law is different. The one who, who has a way of saying things that makes you think that uh, it's, a, it's something completely different, but they're really just hiding and sneaking around their vocabulary. To have these commandments written upon our hearts is to say, you know, it's, it doesn't matter if the law says it a different way. I know what's intended, and I know how to honor God. And it doesn't allow for the excuse, eh, well, if you don't like it, change the laws. No, we know the spirit of the law. We know the spirit of what God wants. When Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, around the passage right after where uh, Alex read today, I mean, an example of this is going to be uh, a hate versus aggression. Uh, he's going to warn them. He's going to say, you know, there is a law that says don't murder, but I'm going to tell you, you shouldn't even hate one another. You shouldn't even be, be wishing and uh, call, you know, calling names that, that completely degrade somebody. He says that kind of hate just co completely destroys the whole purpose of what God wants out of His community. Yeah, it's one thing to say don't murder because you, we, without a doubt that destroys community, destroys relationships with one another. But if we even hate each other. We are destroying the peace. We are destroying the relations that God has hoped and dreamed for His people. And so Jesus gets to the heart of the matter, the spirit of the law. That we are to say, hey, I want to follow God out of the love and obedience I have for Him and not just out of what can I get away with. In fact, in, in the Matthew passage we read today, that's how I read that very passage from, from Jesus. When Jesus says, 
Nothing goes away from the law. Not, not, not one line goes away. I do not think Jesus is advocating for a new kind of legalism. I don't think he's saying, okay, we go back to this, and we now make sure that we are all first century Jews for the rest of all time, that, that the way we live our lives. He's not advocating for that. What he's saying is grace does not merit a casual faith. Grace does not allow us to say, oh, well, whatever, I guess I'll just, I'll just do what's best for me, and if God doesn't like it, he'll just have to forgive me. Jesus is saying that is not the, ma- that is not the matter at all. The heart of the law, what, what, what God is hoping for us, is staying true for all time. And he wants us to serve him with love, obedience, and fearfulness. And he says, impress this upon your children. And I think he means this both literally and figuratively. The way in which he talks about impressing this upon your children, these words will change behaviors. These words of loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind will change not only who we are if we love Him with everything we are, but they will start to affect the people around us. It'll change family behaviors. It'll change community behaviors. Literally, He wants us at the forefront of our minds because it will make a difference. Uh, in the lives of those around us. But, I mean, there is a kind of a figurative sense of this as well, right? Like, like there are Jewish groups who take this literally. They have the scriptures on boxes on their wrists or on boxes on their heads to, to take very literally this passage, have it on your head, have it on your wrist. But, but what it's saying is always have this on your mind. Always have it ready at hand. I, I can't help but think of, uh, remember... The late 90s, early 2000s, what every office computer looked like. See if you can remember back to what every office computer looked like. It wasn't quite the same as it is today. And I will just mean that they had a bigger monitor. If you go back in your mind, every single one that I saw had sticky notes all over. That was like the thing. People loved their sticky notes. I saw sticky notes on everything. In fact, there, were, there was a computer program. They weren't called apps yet. There was a computer program that had like virtual sticky notes you could put on your desk. All reminders of the various things that had to be done, the work that had to be accomplished, always ready, always before you. And I can't help but think that what Deuteronomy is saying is, use sticky notes if you have to. <laughs> uh, use, or, or, or maybe for today, Pop-up reminders. Oh, no, please not pop-up reminders. But whatever you do, like find ways of keeping at the forefront what, what the word of the Lord is for you. Keep in mind that God has a plan and a future and that we are going to be faithful to our Lord. We have, of course, literal and figurative kind of ways of remembering that here in worship as well. Every week when we take communion... We take it and we say, and I say things like when, I, when you receive it, I say this is the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken and shed for you. And we literally believe that the saving grace of God will sustain us and that God's grace comes to us, the vehicle by which that comes to us is through the death of Jesus Christ, that He becomes the means of our salvation from all sin. But figuratively, so that's what we mean literally, and so we take that. But figuratively, we take these emblems, calling them flesh and blood, and then we ingest them as a way of saying we want to incorporate the grace brought by the very real sacrifice of Jesus, but we want to incorporate that grace into our bodies, into our lives. We want to put it into our very being 
And so we call it His flesh and His blood because we want that salvation to be very real and a part of everything we are, just like food becomes a part of everything that we are. And that will then impress the generations to come if we will hear and listen to God's words. There is nothing more infectious than someone who is passionate about their love for God absolutely passionate. Everything that they do is in obedience and service to God. And when you see somebody like that, you find yourself, often we call them saints in the church, but often what we, what we do is say, man, if I could have a faith like that, if I, uh, I want that. I don't just want a lack of faith. I want a faith that is absolutely sold out before God. You see someone who's passionate, loves God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you're like, yes, that's what I want as well. And work for that and pray for that and ask God to, to help us in that. If we see somebody who, on the other hand, is like, oh, yeah, I believe, and so, so I know what my duty is. I make sure I go to church, and I make sure I tithe, and I make sure I do this. And You see that, you say, okay, well, there's someone who's committed. There's someone who cares about God and makes sure that they're following God. But then you make, a, you make an evaluation. Is that a commitment I'm ready to have? Is that a commitment that I want? Oh, man, Sunday morning? Oh, every week? Oh, wait, wait, and i got to put money in an offering plate? What? And you, so you start, you know, you're doing that evaluation. Is that something I want? And then, of course, the next, the, the next place is, is the one who says, yeah, I think there's a God, I believe there's a God, but, you know, I don't know what that's going to do for me. And I think we have a lot of the world that, of course, sits in that place, surrounded by that because that's where we are. And maybe the person who's just, like, committed, hey, this is what we do, like, that, that just doesn't drive that just, uh, that just doesn't infect in the same way. As someone who says, I'm sold out, passionate for, I love God, and it absolutely changes everything about them, the core of who they are, and you see how that changes that person, you go, wow, if they can be changed in that way, if they can be redeemed in that way, if they can be absolutely brought to a new place of understanding and a joy of life, I want that. I want God to do that in my life, and that is far more infectious. And that is why Deuteronomy 6 says, Here, O Israel, the Lord your God who has taken you out to that place, to that place where you might be able to serve with love and joy and obedience before God, because that is what the generations will remember. The last few, week, or last few months, uh, Alex of, has been uh, taking his drum lessons and loved that. And uh, uh, the, the teacher said to him, said, Hey, um, Pick five songs. Pick five songs that you want to learn. Five songs that uh, would be great. And of course, a lot of those five songs are songs, not that my parents grew up with, but uh, songs that Jen and I grew up with, or songs that after I started listening to more contemporary songs that he started to hear. And so he's way more familiar now with songs of my generation. He knows things like Queen. He knows, uh, he knows uh, 80s and 90s uh, rock groups. And, uh, in fact, one of the songs he did, uh, he goes over and says, hey, one of the songs I want to learn was from the White Stripes, Seven Nation Army. Uh, if you don't know that song, that's okay. But it's, it's super, super, like, just like, I just driving beat, get you, I'm going to Wichita, and just, uh, and, like, it just drives. And I remember him doing that song, and afterwards, uh, another teacher, the piano teacher that shares a, a wall with him, comes out, he's just beaming. He was Eric's piano teacher, and so we knew him. We have a relationship with him. He comes out and he says, Tim, I'm so glad you have Alex learning that song. And I said, why is that? And he said, 
because everybody learns that song. <laughs> and he just knew that that teacher had been teaching that song multiple times, not only that day, but that week. And he just loved it, you know, because they had that kind of relationship. Every, and I found, I found myself smiling. We aren't just impressing upon Alex the songs of our youth or when we were in college together. Everybody's doing that. What we listen to affects the generations after us. And what Deuteronomy chapter 6 asks of the people of Israel, of the people of God, listen to God. Hear the one God who has saved and redeemed you. It will make a lasting impression on the generations to come. And that listening, your generations can catch. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your love and your grace in our life. It is my prayer, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to listen. Help us to hear. Help us, Heavenly Father, to walk through our life knowing that you are a God who cares and has a future. Help us, Heavenly Father, to have that optimism of your grace of where you want to lead us. And Heavenly Father, I do pray that that hope and that faith is infectious. Lord, my prayer goes out for us today that as we go, that our faith and our belief in you will indeed make a difference in those around us. And Heavenly Father, I pray for those who Uh, who right now do not know you or do not hold on to that hope, do not hold on to that faith. Lord, ensure trust. I believe that you are not finished yet. And that, uh, Heavenly Father, I know that your grace and love is still there, that you still desire and want to reach out to those who are still enslaved or, or, or still in a place not where you were hoping to guide them. And, uh, Lord... I thank you that you do not give up on your people. And Heavenly Father, I pray that uh, our love for you will continue. That you love, you care, and you are with each and every one. Thank you again for this time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. We hope this sermon has encouraged you with the gospel of Jesus. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week.